Whitney is a real estate investor, a podcast host. In fact, his podcast is one of the most popular in the real estate industry. And he is crazy enough to do a daily podcast and he has been crushing it. I'm excited to speak about that. He's a philanthropist, CEO and founder of LifeBridge Capital. He has a thousand doors, 300 plus million dollars of assets, which I'm sure has increased over the last couple of months. He's a good friend of mine. He's a family man. He's an entrepreneur and he has an amazing backstory, which I'll get into. But again, Whitney, welcome to the show, my friend. Happy to be here. Great to catch up with you and your, your audience. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Whitney, tell us about your origin story and how you can essentially disprove the fact that you have to be born into all this. I'm a prime example of why that's not true. Ultimately, uh, it, it you know I came from no network, no accredited investors in my family. I probably had the best job of almost anybody in my family, or maybe that they had ever had. Uh, and so when I when it was time to leave that man, you can imagine like, wait a minute, what are you doing, right? Why would you leave this secure position? Uh, but but I had no network. So it, you know, and then in a few years, get to where we're at now. But ultimately, joined the military in March of 2001. Never imagined. Okay, six months later the nation our nation would be attacked and then you know found myself spending a year in Iraq uh, unfortunately not everyone in my squad made it home uh, and so we learned a lot right you know you're taught a lot uh, as a young man uh, if you're in combat no doubt about it but but I'm thankful that I made it home safely I then became a police officer uh, I didn't have that diploma either that that most people feel like you must have right to be successful in this space uh, and I almost felt helpless like what can I do law enforcement was a great segue for me out of 1200 applicants and only five positions I was blessed to have one of those, the Kentucky State Police. Loved working the road as a police officer, being a first responder, the service, the discipline, the uniform. I, I loved that. However, you know, making 30,000 or less a year, uh, you know, in the worst schedule you can imagine, it was just, it was hard to see doing that forever. And my wife and I just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. And so I said, okay, you know what? We got to figure out something else. This is just not what is best. And this is like 2009, you know, this big crash thing just happened, but I didn't have a clue. I mean, I wasn't making, I was making such little money. It was like, I didn't even notice hardly. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about all this stuff then. Uh, but what happened was bought two triplexes after I figured out all these people built wealth in real estate. We thought, well, I should be able to do something. Uh, made a lot of mistakes, long story short, uh, and self-managed. Then I became a federal agent that moved us to Virginia where we live now and kind of the height of most policing careers, right? You know, to go federal. And so it was great, better benefits, schedule, all those things. Um, however, I, you know, I quickly like maxed that position out in like three years. Uh, and I did stay there a number of more years, but then believe it or not, this seemed way out in left field, but I, I became a professional horse trainer. And uh, that was like a passion of mine since I was a little boy. And, and so I started riding again, training at a, at a pretty high level. And so I was selling horses for more money than I ever imagined. I was doing clinics all over the country. And long story short, it was two full-time jobs. Uh, the federal agent during the day, I'd be training horses till midnight, giving lessons, you know, most nights. My wife and I were on the beach one fall and we were like, you know what, is this called thinking time? It was just time away, like time down to, you know, like to really think about is what we're doing right now going to get us where we need to go? It was obvious to both of us. It was a no. So Came home. I want to ask ahead. you a question right there, uh, please, Whitney. You, you had thinking time. You had quiet time you and the person you care about most in your life sat down and decided what you want with your life. You mean you're being intentional, you're being scripted. <laughs> you're like, hey, let's, how do we design our life? Not how do we like get by, but how do we design the life of our dreams? So tell me about that. I'm not even sure that we were thinking that sophisticatedly about that just yet. We haven't read all those self-help books yet or those books that motivate you to think that way yet, you know? 
but it more so than anything it was just like man is this working or not i mean it was very basic you know for us at that time how to think about that but like is are we going to keep doing this i was missing all that time with our boys you know and and my wife you know i mean i was just i was gone all the time so it's like okay we got to do something different and this was september and between christmas and new year's we had sold the farm we sold everything related to that horse training business all the horses all my tack everything because i knew that i needed to just cut that off completely and commit to real estate i knew real estate could build wealth uh, and so that's really when it all started uh, i mean that's go ahead let me let me ask you a question whitney uh i have a lot of people here they're surgeons they're doctors they're um they they're critical care uh, uh practitioners Maybe they're entrepreneurs, they, they have like an IT company or they work for government contracting. Um, they're doing quite well, they're comfortable, but they're not happy or they're not truly free. Yeah. And you took a bold decision. I mean, you're doing pretty either a federal agent and on top of that, this, this, this horse business, it was good. It was probably even comfortable. How did you know that, hey, let's, let's draw the line, let's take a bold move let's burn the bridge, uh, you know, burn the boats, if you will, and go and, and do what's potentially quote unquote risky, but it could be, it could explode my life in a good way. Yeah. I, you know, I would say bet on yourself, right? Mm. Bet on yourself. Find that, you know, I hired a mentor pretty quickly, but then I started like putting myself in places to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could about this business. But by burning the bridges like that, I had to be committed. Like I, we moved into a small house in town, Bikram, where not in the best area of town. I built an office in the basement and that's where I practically lived the next three years. I started the daily real estate syndication show before we ever syndicated a deal, right? So, so you know, and there's plenty of people that called me crazy for doing that, but you know, you gotta be able to be willing to move forward. But what I would say to somebody that's like comfortable yeah, you got to get started. You have to make that decision. Is it worth it? Are you are you willing to really commit? Right? I mean, are you going to cut this off, you know, and just move into this? Or, or you know, if you're that comfortable, maybe you should be passive, right? Uh, you know, there's a fine line there. But if you're wanting to be active, you, you don't have to give up the day job all at once. I didn't. I did both for a few years, right? It's not the easiest model. It wasn't for me, especially doing a daily podcast, but it is very possible. Right, it is very possible to learn this business and start building a brand uh, while still working full time and make a transition into full time real estate. Uh, but I, I would also highlight there the commitment level that you need is going to be big. I mean, it's big, but it, but it's big enough that it's it's not just your commitment level. It needs to be your spouse. It needs to be your kids, you know, as well. Like I did not realize the commitment level it was going to require of my wife and kids. I, I didn't realize that. Uh, until we were way into it, you know, and months into it, you know, there were many mornings I'm sitting with my wife trying to get caught up because we wouldn't see each other other than like five to six, five a.m. to six a.m. in the mornings, and uh, you know, be like, okay, you know, I, I don't know if we can afford to do the podcast next month, you know, like have those hard conversations, uh, you know, early on. Yeah. Oh man, uh, just a, a, a ton of ton of things to un unpack there, but I'm I'm getting goosebumps hearing about your journey and like how how there's several times where you could have turned back and you just kept persevering forward and i love the fact that you leaned on your wife you leaned on your children and you leaned on your why um why is it so important for you to earn multiple millions why i mean what's your what's the impact you're trying to have my friend yeah no i appreciate that question because it's very important to me and i know you know that but i so my wife and i moved to roanoke we moved, came from a small town and you know we've been married about a year and a half i think we 
went went to this place in Roanoke. I right after we moved here, we heard this guy talking about uh, adoption, how they had adopted, and uh, and just the need to care for orphans and widows. Those things we had never been exposed to adoption before. I don't think we'd ever we ever even knew anybody that had been adopted. But on our way home, my wife and I just asked ourselves, well, 150 million orphans in the world, like, why would we not adopt? We couldn't think of a good reason. Like, it seemed that simple. And honestly, I'm thankful for our ignorance in the process because it's quite a drooling process, but it's so worth it. So within a week, we applied to adopt from Ethiopia. Two years later, our first son, Samuel, comes home from Ethiopia. A year later, our second son, Elijah, comes home through adoption. And now we have a daughter, Eden Joy, as well. There's almost three uh, who came to our family through adoption. So our family's been you know, blessed and uh, it just changed dramatically through the adoption process. However, what we realized is, hey, the, the process can cost 40 to 60 grand to bring a child home, unfortunately. And 150 million orphans in the world, it's a crying shame uh, that, it's, that it's that costly. Uh, and so families would often tell us, you know, they want to ask questions, right? Well, how can they adopt? And we say, say that amount. And they're like, Whitney, that's more than I make in a year. How can we even start that process? So we started a foundation that helps these families financially. So we, we provide large grants. We committed half of our personal profits from our, our LifeBridge Capital, from my personal profits from LifeBridge Capital to our foundation to help these families. And so it's been so cool though, Vikram, to see how, you know, not only have we obviously supported that, but now our investors love knowing that they play a role in that, even though it doesn't affect their returns at all, of course, but many of them will, are also donating, you know, to that cause, uh, you know, outside of LifeBridge Capital, you know, directly, uh, directly to the foundation, but also that big why is also what kept my wife going, my kids going. Uh, but but my investors, many of them love partnering with us because of that, but also our team. Like our team's growing a lot right now. And majority of our team members come to us and during the interview, they'll say something like, man, I love the way you all give back. You know, that just really spoke to me. I want to be a part of that.